Welcome back to this week's edition of the Omni Talk Fast Five. It is August 30th, 2019. And it is just Ann and I in studio today. So lonely. So lonely. The two Utes, for those that are those that can remember back in the day with my cousin Vinny and Joe Pesci. The two Utes, Neil and Carter, are not with us today. So we wish them well. Neil, Carter, if you're listening, hope you're doing well. They're probably enjoying Labor Day. Yeah, I think Neil's in like Labor Day Louisville weekend. or something like that. He's like doing something I don't know. crazy. I never Neil, know where that guy is. Get in here. Yeah, I never know. But uh but anyway, it's good to be here. We haven't done just the solo, I think the solo Fast Five, uh, just Ann and, and myself in quite a while. I think last time was in New York when we did that review yeah, that's of right. New York Hudson Retail Yards. and Hudson Yard. So I'm excited, uh, very excited to get to it. It has been a rolling week. Crazy. A crazy week. So it was. we had the Minneapolis Business Journal in Third House on Monday. We had a visit from the mayor himself, Mr. Jacob Fry. Yes, mayor of Minneapolis. Yeah, made, a, Minneapolis. made a pit stop to talk about what's happening with retail and what cities can do to uh, to help move that forward. Yeah, that was pretty fun. We kind of gave, gave him a little piece of our mind in terms of everything that we know about in terms of <laughs> as, how as retail works and, and, <laughs> and, and, and government life. Um, and then thir- and then on Wednesday, we had the uh, Care 11, the news team in here as well, shooting the Mamava pod. So that yeah. was pretty sweet. Uh, big breaking news out of Mamava is that they have uh, started their first pilot with their first retailer. Um, they are announcing that in Bentonville today. They are doing a uh, showing for the media at their Bentonville wow. uh, flagship store. Wow. And that's a pretty big retailer down in Bentonville, right? If I'm not mistaken. Um, you know, Walmart has a few Starts locations. Yeah. They do. Starts with the W. Fairly, fairly good size. Fairly good size. Yeah, but super excited for them and to be uh, a host of one of the Mama Va pods here as well. So excited to see what happens with. Yeah, those it's guys. always exciting when we're on the front edge of the trend, which is always a pride that we try to take in, in the work that we do. So, all right, Anne, are you ready? Should we get started? Let's Without do this. Without further ado, the Fast Five. Do you want to kick us off? I do. So. One of the biggest stories, I mean, this even broke like our weekend events when this came out on Sunday. Uh, Disney is moving uh, into 25 Target stores. So there will be Disney shops um, in 25 Target locations this fall with another 40 expected next year. So as part of this announcement, they also mentioned that Target will open a small format store near the Walt Disney Resort in 2021. So big news, partnership, Disney and Target. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I got to think. I got to tell you, I'm pretty high on this one, and so I'm going to give actually uh, my my little sermon on this. I'm going to dedicate this one to Matt Boyle, as he and, of Bloomberg, as he and I oh, yeah. were, were talking about some different things last week. So I'm going to dedicate this to you, Matt. But uh, I think it's an awesome move. I think uh, I think it's an awesome move for for a few reasons. But I, I think number one, you know, you talk about why do physical stores exist? What's their purpose? And we always talk about you know it's it's you know the idea of tax and the ability to touch feel product. To have very immersive experience, very sensory based experiences. Um, I think Disney's a master at that. When you look at everything they do in terms of you know theme parks, retail, uh, whatever the products they sell uh, or license, and then you talk about just the experience of being somewhere. And I think you know kind of the one stop shop atmosphere of whether it's Target or a Walmart. If you're a family with kids and deciding what to do on the weekend and where to go and where to spend your time and how to do it in a really efficient way having then the draw or the catch of say a Disney shop and shop inside of that experience, uh, I think has a lot of value for a lot of people, um, as parents where they can, you know, give their kids some entertainment, um, give them some enjoyment and then still get other things accomplished. So, so I'm huge on this. I think the other thing I'd add is, you know, Disney appears to be doing 
going after, or I should say, trying to make their content as exclusive to them as possible. Uh, everything they're trying to do with their Disney Plus, you know, streaming capabilities uh, and getting off of Netflix. And so I think they're they're also trying to think now about how do they make sure everything under their brand is becoming as exclusive and tightly controlled from a distribution standpoint as possible. And so, quite possibly, interesting to see. I hope they do. I hope these products are only you know, really available through Target or through Disney because that would make the the draw that much better. Yeah, I was kind of joking with you and Neil and Carter over the weekend if this would bring back Target Ticket, the streaming service that Target <laughs> started up a while back. But I do agree, this is a huge opportunity for for Target and Disney to really kind of join forces to hone in on what that experience is going to be in store. And I mean, how many, It's I, I almost feel sorry for all the parents out there that this is happening because it's already hard enough to bring your kid into Target without them asking for every single thing that right. they see from the minute that they walk in. But now that they'll have exclusives on Frozen and all these like movies as they're coming out, I mean, Target should have these products in their, you know, in their four walls that are really going to um, make that experience another reason for the kids to drive the parents to go to a Target store over someplace else. So absolutely, the one watch out I would say though, yeah, um, where I think this could fall down if if people aren't careful, and I say this from the experience of having bought Disney product in the past, is that and for example, one of the categories I bought was beach towels. <laughs> I was wondering. It was either yeah. going to be children's underwear or beach towels. That was my right. guess. Yeah, well, it was both, actually, technically. <laughs> um, and, uh, and and you know, and it was at Target too. So I think it's relevant here. And we don't usually talk about Target because we try to stay, you know, outside the box of, of the things that are going on here in Minneapolis. But you know, exclusive can mean a lot of different things. So like exclusive, a lot of times in the past has meant like you know what I might get, you know, Darth Vader doing this on my towel versus Darth Vader is with somebody, you know, is with the emperor on another towel. And that's not the best example, but, you know, or, you know, maybe I get the Elsa towel, but, but Walmart gets the Elsa on a towel. Right. Mm. And so they would recall. Right. Names, I'm Chris. I'm pretty impressed. I'm trying. Yeah. On the spot. So those things are by definition exclusive, but they're not truly what I would call like exclusive because they're not a hundred percent unique to what the experience is. And so I think, that's where, you know, if the next announcement is that Walmart suddenly has Disney shop and shops with exclusive product, but it's all kind of in the same vein, you know, then I get a little bit worried about what this actually is. And it's not going to be as strong of a, a of a presence as it actually could be. Well, there are Disney shops in other retailers too, right? There are. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, I think um, JCPenney's has a right. similar arrangement. And so you've got a little bit of a differentiation there and who knows, you know, where Disney would like to play their hand in the long term. But you know, that's what you've really got to be careful, I think. And that's more on Disney than anyone is you've got to keep a really tight control on this to still make it be what you want it to be. Otherwise, it's just kind of an also ran and it really actually won't make that much of a difference for the retailers in the long run. Disney will just win that way. Fair. Yeah. All right. Story number two. This one is the biggest head scratcher I can remember <laughs> covering in the last few weeks. In fact, I have just been like, Let's let sleeping dogs lie here for a little bit before I can even comment on this. I'll tell you where my where my thoughts are right now, but man, there's just so it's just got to marinate a little bit. But here's the crazy thing: headline number two, Hudson's Bay is going to sell Lord and Taylor to and help me with this because the tote l- French the tote for a hundred million dollars Canadian, I believe. Yes, that's right. Hudson Bay, according to CNBC, will pay ninety nine and a half million Canadian dollars. In cash, very soon, over the next two years, the total will acquire Lord, the Lord and Taylor 
brand its intellectual property and assume operations of 38 stores, its digital channels, and its inventory. Beginning in 2021, Hudson's Bay will also be allowed to reassess the use of Lord and Taylor locations and recapture certain stores to determine their best use. And before I go off on all the things that just baffle the living crap out of me, what's your take on this? I don't know. I still don't understand it. it I think the what whole... What do you understand? Well, so Latote is a fantastic yeah, brand. For those that. of That'd you who awesome. don't know... Um, Latote, it was one of the early uh, subscription rental services that went into rental of day-to-day clothing. So whether it was, you know, just office apparel and you wanted to change up your wardrobe, that was kind of their hook was, you know, you shouldn't have to wear the same thing twice. So we make a low cost fee. It's like 70 bucks a month. And you can rotate your wardrobe all the time. They and got you with like maternity wear. So right? that, that, that they were the one of the one. early ones to do maternity, which was huge, especially for me. I mean, I happened to be interviewing for a job at eight and a half months pregnant. And Jeez. you can't wear the same outfit, obviously, to three interviews in a row. And so um, so <laughs> for me, it was great because they had really high quality product. It got there in a day or two. It was really quick shipping. And when you're in a maternity situation, I mean, nobody wants to invest in those clothes ever because you want to burn them as soon as that baby is is out. But uh, but yeah, great company and seemingly doing just fine. Like they've raised a lot of money. They're they're having a lot of success in this market. Yeah, I read Richard Kessenbaum's article and Forbes said I think they're valued at $180 million right yeah. now. Yeah. So why they would take, you know, over half of their value and put it into a legacy bricks and mortar retailer is still beyond me. The only thing that I've seen that might be an interesting case to to explore is in the hustle today they're talking about how, you know, you have Lord and Taylor's product and it's Calvin Klein dresses, let's say. So does the, you know, does Latote take that dress that maybe gets clearanced out down to 1695 and it's a $200 dress? Do they stand to make more money off of renting that dress throughout the duration, you know, of a year than the actual cost of the dress itself? I still think that's really far-fetched. But. I, yeah, I, actually, I call bullshit on I'm just going to say it right now. I call bullshit on that. I think Neil actually texted me that that was the rationale from the article, too. Um, from the I, I just call bullshit on that because, first of all, like basically what you're – the premise there strategically is that you're you're saying, oh, I'm going to have access to these goods I didn't have before, and I'm going to be able to rent them. Well, yeah, but people don't want crap. There's a reason stuff doesn't sell. It's because people don't want it. And right. so just because, just because people don't want to buy it – at full retail doesn't mean they're necessarily going to want to rent it either. Like you, you can't just go and make that assumption. The other things that just completely baffle me are one running stores is freaking hard. So you've been running digital all your life and now you're just going to suddenly take over control of running stores and not just any stores, large format, large department stores. stores. This is hard freaking work and you can really screw it up and it can be a pretty big drain pretty quickly. The other thing is the Lord and Taylor brand like who gives a sh- like I, I'm sorry to swear again, but who gives a crap? Like why 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 does that help you? Well, I don't understand it either because when you look at Latote's brands that they've that they rent right now, they're not the brands that are in Lord and Taylor either. Like the Calvin Kleins, the Michael Kors, like that's not their their bread and butter. It's it's some of the more boutique high end brands, at least in in my experience, yeah. it was. So it it just seems so confusing, and even the. So the other very peculiar thing is that Hudson's Bay is maintaining ownership of the real estate. 
Yeah, and that so, one's good. I, I don't even want to go there because that's actually one I want to marinate a lot because I keep, keep reading conflicting reports on that. So I apologize to anyone out there. Like, it's just so hard to know what the financials of some of this deal is. But I think getting back to that, though, like to your point, it's like the brand doesn't really help you. Like, the fact that you have Lord and Taylor, it doesn't really mean anything to me. And, you know, yeah, if you want a physical presence and you, they even, like, even read one article where they're going to start building smaller Lord and Taylor stores and using the brand that way. And, and who knows again, but like, you know, there's a lot of ways to do a lot of things with a hundred million dollars. I don't know why you'd want to saddle yourself with the albatross of some legacy operation. That's what it comes down to. Now, if you're Hudson's Bay, kudos to you oh my for this God. deal. Jesus. You guys. I, 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 I mean, I don't. You win. You win 2019. Taylor. Yeah. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Anyway. All right. Let's do story number three. All right. Let's move on. This is a really interesting story, Chris. Uh, did you know, according to Grocery Grocery Dive, also said. <laughs> also said. Uh, Box is going to bring in Century 21 to their offerings. They have partnered with the New York-based department store to debut an assortment of beauty and apparel items. This will be the first time that Box has offered clothing and cosmetics. Some of the featured brands that they'll be including are Bare Minerals, Calvin Klein, Polo Ralph Lauren, Adidas, or Adidas, as Carter would say if he was here, and Ray-Ban. Um, and so... Really interesting combination here. You have Box, who's been doing, um, you know, direct to consumer. Costco basically is now partnering with this really well known uh, chain, one of the oldest chains in the uh, off price retailer market from New York, um, to kind of, I guess, create a new offering for their consumer. What do you What do you think? I I think this one's something you got to watch. I mean, I, I it's hard to know exactly what to make of it yet, but I think. Box is really interesting on a couple fronts. I think number one, like they're the e-commerce company that tried to go after the warehouse club, right? And they're still around and they seemingly are doing better, better every year. I think when you, you read some of the stories each year, they, they always get interest. They're always getting interest on the acquisition front. So they're doing something right. Um, I think the second piece is uh, this is now the off-price model and taking the off-price model direct. So now you've got a company that has challenged two perennial business models that haven't been challenged by e-commerce, warehouse clubs, and off-price. And so it's it's interesting to watch just that dynamic alone to mm-hmm. see where this goes. The other thing I'll say is I've uh, heard him speak. I've met him in person. Shea Wong is not only the funniest guy, but one of the funniest people I've ever met. The dude is, I think, really smart. And when you, whenever I think doing this as long as we have now too, whenever I find somebody that is self-deprecating, yes, I'm going to put, I think he would take this in the right way too. Uh, frugal. He's incredibly frugal in terms great of how he runs Great to eat cheese and business. crackers with. Yep. Great to eat cheese and crackers with, which is a long story. Um, but, you know, frugal, self-deprecating, and also inc- like incredibly intelligent. Mm-hmm. Like you have to just stand up and hardworking and gets the job done. Like I think you have to watch what somebody like that is up to. There, there's no, there, there's no just sizzle in what this guy tries to do. So, um, I think, yeah, the fact that he's going after a new space that previously was, you know, not penetrated by e-commerce is something you have to watch. Yeah. Guy knows his customers. I mean, number one, it's a it's a win for both Century 21, bringing them into the digital age, we'll say. Mm-hmm. And for Boxed, I mean, they you look at what they can't offer right now, and mm-hmm. that's the apparel and beauty stuff. And you look at like Costco's $7 billion in clothing sales alone this year. So mm-hmm. you know that your his customers are looking for mm-hmm. that offering. And this feels like the most natural partner to go with 
to provide that. And now Boxed gets more of your basket. So that's I, I think it's a win win. Yeah, it's a, you're right. It's a good, that's a good point. I mean, I haven't thought about it. It's like it's really a situation where one plus one equals three, mm-hmm. and if ultimately zero plus e- zero equals zero, really neither side is worse off. So it's a this to me is a perfect spot for experimentation. Yes, I love it. All um, right, story number four. Uh, yesterday, the New York Post reported that Farfetch, the online seller of hard to find luxury goods, was in talks to buy Barney's. The pairing would create an omni-channel leader in the luxury market. Now, both sides, actually in the last couple of days, have bluntly refused the story in a statement where Farfetch said, the story is incorrect. Farfetch <laughs> is not buying Barney's New York. Honestly, we debated whether or not to include this story, but just the fact that it's being talked about is important. Whether it happens or not is, is really not the story here. What's important is that there's something here. Yeah, there for sure is something here. People are making comments to the media about it outside of those two comments that said mm-hmm. there's no conversation there's no happening comment, here. Yeah. But uh, in some of the articles and reports that I was reading about this, they they did mention someone from Farfetch mentioned that if they did buy Barney's out of bankruptcy, they would only keep the Madison Avenue flagship store and the store in Beverly Hills, mm-hmm. which I think makes sense mm-hmm. if I were Farfetch mm-hmm. and I were considering buying Barney's out why, of bankruptcy. Why do you say that? Well, because I think you look at at Barney's and uh, what their product set is and what that experience needs to be. And we said this previously when we announced Barney's going into bankruptcy or, or potentially right. going yeah, into bankruptcy lot, right, that, you know, does it make sense to have a five-story Barney's store anymore? Probably not. Right. I mean, it ultimately comes down to the level of service that they provide, which without a doubt is is high value and there's a customer that that will demand and require that still but i think you take a look at what nordstrom local is doing where they're creating these smaller experiences and they're you know really curating the shopping experience to their clients as specifically as they can without all the overhead of you know a five-story department store with a restaurant on top that you know isn't really generating the revenue to justify the rent increases that they're experiencing in in their flagship store in new york especially so Mm -hmm. i think it makes sense farfetch comes in they figure out a way to make most of their their buying experiences go online in a very quick reliable and easy way and then they have a couple flagship stores where if you still want the novelty of shopping barney's you know the sarah jessica parker sex in the city moment you can have that Mm -hmm. but it's more of a destination it's Mm -hmm. in new york or it's in beverly hills Mm -hmm. interesting interesting yeah and i think regardless of whether the story's true i think the concept is is true. That's what I really love about this is that, you know, Amazon for all its glory and what it does is never going to be a, a, about the luxury market. It might be the place you want to find value on items in luxury, but true scarce luxury items is never where Amazon's going to be. And it's never going to be what it's all about. And so, you know, a company that can be the marketplace for luxury, let's put Farfetch aside, let's even put Barney's aside, but a company that can be the marketplace for luxury and then can also take the digital understanding of the consumer, bring that into the physical world, digitize the physical space in the same way they understand the digital world. That can be a really, really powerful connection, especially when you start talking about, I think, and the types of things you know you were talking about in terms of the experiential benefits of, mm-hmm. of a true luxury retail experience. The opportunity is, and that's why the story is important, the opportunity is out there for someone to do this, right? Uh, to someone to create and bridge that divide. And whoever does, I think that could be a really fun thing to watch. And so 
there's a part of me that actually hopes this is true because I think it would be really fun. I've always thought Farfetch would be an amazing acquisition target for or somebody like a target or something like that too, because it gets you, you've always had that kind of design for all kind of luxury mentality. Like that would give you the ability to afford and create those types of experiences as well. Be a little bit different, but, but you know, it, there's just so many offshoots in which this could go and the landscape is still so unpopulated uh, in terms of how that divide could be crossed together, that I, I don't know. It's just I just think it's a really cool story. If you were a betting man, Chris, which yeah. I know you are. Yeah, I, I've been um, known to dabble. You've been known the, to in the, in have, the a, have a guy's trip out to <laughs> Vegas on occasion. That's right. Uh, what would you say the um, the likelihood is that this is going to happen? <sighs> man, I don't know. They both come out and so staunchly denied it. Mm-hmm. Um. Although, you know, we've seen people like a Lance Armstrong do that before too. So <laughs> I guess who am I as a historian as well? I don't know. My gut tells me because they've so both so staunchly denied it that it's not going to happen. So I'm probably like, eh, 60, 40, it's not going to happen. What about you? I'm going to go the other way. You think it's going to happen? I do. They're just denying it. I think that it's they're not ready and there's probably terms and deals and Barney's is still so proud that I don't think that they're going to let this you know, go down easy, but uh, I think it's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Wow. This will be fun to see. All right. Staying in the luxury market. Staying in, story number staying five. in the luxury market and things that Amazon could or could not do well. Right. Uh, I'm about to eat my words. Is Savage X Fenty, which you know and love, Chris, as Rihanna's uh, collection of uh, intimates and swimwear, et cetera, uh, is going to debut their runway show on Amazon Prime. So um, for New York Fashion Week, there uh, people are going to be able to stream exclusively. Amazon Prime members are going to be able to uh, on September 20th in more than 200 countries, the uh, fashion show for Savage X Fenty. And this will also include exclusive behind the scenes looks at how the show is made, performances from musical acts, as well as features of the models, actors, dancers, etc. wearing styles from the collection. Um, love this. Think it's interesting timing given the uh, cancellation of the Victoria's Secret uh, runway show, and this this uh, Savage X Fenty being a much more appealing and well regarded product line in the millennial and Gen Z market than uh, much more so than the L brands or Victoria's Secret market is, especially given some of the controversy surrounding that recently. Right, but. My number one issue with this, yeah. I hope that you will be able to buy the product on Amazon because you currently cannot. Mm, interesting. Did you you look that up today? I did. Interesting. Uh, and you even have to tried, think they would make that happen, right? Tried to do some third-party searches. Hmm. Still couldn't find. Still couldn't find it. Although Amazon's search experience when you're looking for a specific clothing item is not ideal. Yeah. Um, so I think it's, it's a cool move by Amazon, especially as they're vying more for the social commerce angle and creating this, you know, experience with all these, you know, musical acts. It's it's an experience you can have in your own home, which Amazon is allowing you to have. Um, and and now hopefully they'll just follow up with the digital part of that and sale part of that. Yeah. And if you're self-critical of yourself, which I try to be as much as possible, even in the last argument I was making about Farfetch, I, there was a cool statistic you shot me on text this morning that yeah. I just thought about. What you know, in terms of like social discovery and that kind of thing, like what 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 was that? So I I sent you this uh, information. I found it was a BizRate Insights study that eMarketer put out, 
And it said that um, individuals ages 18 to 34 were most likely to, to shop using some social media platform. Um, 54% of that age group. So over half of them are shopping through Snapchat or through um, Instagram shopping or Pinterest. Um, and specifically, that's how they discover products. That's right? how they're that discovering the, product. That was right. The, the, the key insight gleaned from that study. Right. And so I think when I said like self-critical, I think that that you know as cool as the bar the far-fetched and Barney story is, you could actually ask the counter question, which would be, do you actually need stores at all in luxury anymore? Mm-hmm. You know, fifty-four percent of of the millennial and Gen Z generation or whatever it was are are you know discovering product via social commerce. At the end of the day, can the luxury experience be almost self-contained, you know, online or almost brought to you on demand? I think mm-hmm. that's another thing, whether it's like streaming or, you know, somebody comes to your house concierge style and you're sitting with your friends browsing through social media, who knows? So that isn't necessarily a requirement to say physical has to be there in the construct in the way we know it today, but it just shows you again that Amazon is going to continue to push the boundaries on what are the types of activities they can do and create around social commerce and all the different platforms by which you can connect uh, with your consumer. So, I mean, it's not the first time they've tried to do something like this. It certainly won't be the last, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. And your point about, uh, you know, how much of it will they sell? Shit, I don't even know if it matters right now. Like it's, you know, it could still really be up for determination much more in the long run. All right. Woo. That's it. Let's yeah. go have a party for Labor Day. I know. Yeah. What so, are you going to do for Labor Day weekend? Labor Day week. My wife is on call this weekend, so we're going to mm. have a pretty chill weekend, which I'm okay because it's been a pretty busy week. Uh, kids started school. One of the kids started school this week, and the other one we have starting next week. So, kind of looking forward to actually just some chill days. How about you guys? What are you doing? Uh, we have a family tradition over Labor Day. We are frying peppers. <laughs> frying peppers. Any type of peppers. Mm, I have an Italian heritage. This is a passed down recipe and we have about six frying pans going at a time and we can them and then have them for the rest of the year, you know, with like sausages and other things. Interesting. Are any of them pickled? Yes, pickled and fried, but primarily fried. And does Peter Piper attend? Oh my God. We are ending this podcast. (laughs) It was nice, everybody. Have a safe holiday weekend. Everybody have a safe holiday out there. Remember, if you're interested in signing up for Third House, there is the exclusive promo code for OmniTalk uh, subscribers and listeners. That code is FAST5. And if you can, as always, please remember to like, review, and subscribe to our podcast channels, on, and especially on iTunes. Every difference makes a difference. You guys came in huge last week. We got a number of, of new reviews, and yes, so we are thank cl- you. tightly closing that gap. Uh, To give you an idea, we need to have about 30 more reviews to effectively close the gap between us and the number one podcast. I think it's totally doable. I know those of you out there listening want to help. So please, if you can, stop what you're doing right now. Oh my God, I feel like this is like the telethon. We have a telethon. Tell us what we do well or tell us what we can do better. So thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. And from Anne, from me, all of you guys, be careful out there.